Yeah, and Jesus wonderful that he makes a particular you know, trip to come and meet us out of his way. He comes and he meets us. And um, I had the sense when we were worshipping of us just opening up our hearts and that last song, doesn't that, that really does express that, Lord, I give you my heart. Um, because we want to follow him, don't we, wherever he leads us. And um, I was also reminded, this isn't going to be what I'm going to speak on, but I just, it, 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 it's part of what I'm going to speak on because it's communion. But Jesus is known by his scars, isn't he? You know, it, it's um, remarkable that even when he's in heaven and glorified, he'll be known by his scars. And um, because what he actually accomplished for us is so magnificent and wonderful. He brought us from death into life. He saved us from our sin. And his grace came upon our lives in a way that, Lord, we, we could never imagine possible. Because that is our God. That is our Lord. And um, he came to die. He came to die so that we could live and we could have that communion with him. And so this morning we're going to be having communion. And um, I've titled the talk, um, Living in Possibilities. And there's so many things that you could speak on in communion. It's a bit like a treasure chest, you know, that you could open up and you wonder, well, where am I going to start? And there's so many different bits of beautiful jewels that God just wants to bring out. And we miss quite a lot, I think, sometimes when we uh, I'm talking personally for myself, when I can just sort of perhaps rush through sort of communion. And, uh, but there is so much depth and meaning and power in the whole act of communion. Um, but when I, we look at communion, I, I want to just bring out something about the living in possibilities because uh, we're each used by God in different ways. We have aspects of Jesus that we reflect into the world that are unique. Uh, I think we can all have a life message that we carry because of our uniqueness and our specialness. We have different gifts, we have different abilities, we have different um, experiences that we've all had. Um, and God can often sort of work through these, but Often, um, he works through our weaknesses, so that we become utterly dependent on him. So, you know, you, we've got so many examples in Scripture of God just working through people's weaknesses. And I think it is because he wants us to reflect to the world that this is the one that you should be looking at. Not me. This is the one. He is the one who has completed it, and he has done all that is needed to bring us into life and life in all its fullness, as Maynard would tell us. Um, I believe that my life message, perhaps, is to be an encouragement to lift up our eyes, to see him, our glorious Lord Jesus. Um, worship does that, and I feel that, for me, that's really what I love doing, is just getting our eyes lifted up. This is Jesus. But also just to say, this is Jesus, and... What is, this is, we can see what is possible with him. To see what is possible with him. He's lifted up, he is exalted. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And that we can know the possibilities in our lives and becoming a reality as well. Um, Ken McGreevy, who was uh, Hazel McGreevy's husband, Hazel used to come to this church uh, uh, for many years 
Um, but uh, Ken McGreevy was a great Bible teacher. And uh, I was going to get some drink. But um, he used to have some brilliant phrases, which I've, I've used a couple of times, but my fav- my, probably one of my favorite ones is that um, don't make your experience your Bible, but make your Bible your experience. And Ken used to say, when he wants to emphasize a point, he used to say, I'll repeat that. So I'm going to repeat it. <laughs> don't let your experience be, be your Bible, but let your Bible become your experience. And it's difficult, isn't it, sometimes um, for us. We, we can often we can allow sort of experiences to, to, to affect how we believe God for in the present, in our present, and also in our future. And if the experiences have been positive, with, for instance, we've seen God sort of breaking through, we've seen miracles, it can actually build our faith and it becomes positive, it becomes something that then affects us in the present. We have faith for things to, that God can do because we've seen it with our eyes. Um, testimonies as well are like that. And Maynard shares testimonies for us when he leads. They can be another way in which our faith is, is grown, growing because we can see that God did it there, so God can do it now. Um, God did it then, so he can do it now. But so many of us perhaps have experiences that, are, that we perhaps feel a little bit negative or they, they, they're not as breakthrough as some of people's experiences. But we do want the Bible to be our experience. And if we do, we must listen to what Jesus says is possible. We must listen to what Jesus says is possible. With the Last Supper stories, we have accounts of the Last Supper in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to read the account in Luke soon. Um, but also in, in John, um, although the Last Supper isn't sort of mentioned, um, they're in John 13 and John 14, they're known as sort of the uh, upper room discourse. People would, they, they would know because they believed they were actually spoken and they were part of the, the period of time that Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room. John 14 um, obviously talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will come um, because Jesus is being, is, will die and then he's going to be lifted and the Holy Spirit will come. But there is a verse in John 14 which is dynamite. Well, it, it, it's dynamite, <laughs> but it's also a little bit challenging. Um, but Jesus did bring challenging words. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus' expectation on our lives through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is a lot, lot greater than the expectations we have on our own lives. Jesus' words were that you will do these things and even greater things. And as a church, each of us has different gifts and different abilities and we, we can each of us sort of reflect that in the way in which we step out into the things that God wants for us. 
Um, last week I, I went forward for prayer because I've um, and Mike prayed for me because I've been struggling with my health a bit and I was praying for him to pray for me and for healing. Um, and as I was there, I, the Holy Spirit just touched me and I, I started crying. I didn't really know why I was crying when I was crying. Um, but I, I, started, I started crying and um, that's nice music you've got on that ringtone. <laughs> I need to change my ringtone. <laughs> and... Um, and, and the, the Holy Spirit came and, I, and I, was, I was crying. I wasn't entirely sure to begin with why I was crying. I wanted, I was being gone there to be prayed for for healing. So it wasn't really what my expectation was of the prayer. But I, afterwards, and, and during it actually, I, I had this sense that because I started saying when I was crying, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't in my mind. It was something that just came up within me. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. And um, what, it, what came to me was that I was actually saying sorry because I'd missed what I feel God wants for my life in so many ways. I know those, I've had prophecies. I've had... Uh, prophetic words, I've had promises that people have given and there was something in me that felt that there was much, much more and I'd almost left those things and I'd sort of felt, as often we can feel I think is that um, if God wants to do it, he'll do it and I've just sort of left those things there if God wants to do them, he'll do them you know, I'll just wait I'll wait for God to to, to speak to me. I'll wait to God to, to break through. However, that's not always true. Most of the time, the reality is that God is waiting for us, for our cooperation with him, to ask him and to persevere in asking and not just to leave it there, but to recognize that the Lord has things which may be a lot bigger than we ever think possible for ourselves. But he does that because he wants to be making himself supernatural <laughs> for us and doing supernatural things in us, in us and through us. God doesn't just wait, he doesn't want us to wait for him to zap us. He wants us to persevere. And um, it's reminded me of David's um, series we've got on fasting. And um, he's been laying the foundations, David, on fasting. And we've been looking at James 1. And in James 1, it, it talks about perseverance, doesn't it? And the need for this is we mature to be mature and complete. And, and fasting is a means of God's grace for us to press in for more. It's a means of God's grace for us to press into more. And it, we need that perseverance in order to, to do that. We need to raise the bar of what we're expecting individually and corporately for what God can do through us. And I believe the Holy Spirit will move among us and upon us in a way that will lift our expectations and that we'll begin to see the Bible as our experience, not our experience as our Bible. It'll be turned around because that's, that's what we want. So what has communion got to do with that? <laughs> that's a very good question. Or breaking bread or Eucharist, whatever people's sort of denominational background is. Well, it... I believe that there is a power in communion 
that the Lord wants us to grasp. It's quite easy to go through the rituals and go through the taking the bread, taking the wine or the juice as we do, and thinking, but we're not fully aware of exactly what, what that means and what we're doing. Um, there are two rituals that the Lord has given us to follow. One was, is believer's baptism and the other is communion. Each of these are sacraments. They're a visible symbol of the power of the work of Jesus in our lives, a visible symbol of the power of the work of Jesus in our lives. And they're a means of his grace into our lives. I had a picture, actually, when I was preparing for the talk this morning, and I saw a table, and the, the table was just covered. Underneath, there was a sort of a feast. There was a, you know, a proper, proper food on this table, but it was covered up. And um, I felt it was a bit like that with communion. Lord, often he wants to reveal more to us through the Holy Spirit than we know. It's a journey, isn't it? A journey of understanding and I feel that, that that's what it's a bit like with communion. I'm only going to touch on it, like I said. But there's so many that we can, we can see and bring out. We can lift up that cloth as the Holy Spirit allows us. Um, it actually says in John 14, again, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It's the Holy Spirit's work to bring revelation. Let's ask the Lord to open up some more understanding and meaning as we look at his word. So we'll do that now. We're going to begin with, uh, have I got the right one? No, I haven't. There we are. We're going to, bring, we're going to start with the, the, the account in Luke. Um, so we'll read from Luke 22. So if you, if you want to follow it in your Bible, um, stay in Luke 22 because we're not going to really move from there much. I'll, I'll have a few verses, um, but just stay in Luke 22. So it's verse 7 to 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Sorry, this isn't working. There you are, it's working now. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruits of the vine 
until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus offered the disciples the bread and the wine. They were symbols of his body and his blood. But it would have had no benefit to the disciples if they hadn't received it. Jesus offers us something, but we need to reach out and we need to take it. There is a need for us to to be able to, to receive. That's the first point I want to make. Communion, living impossibilities, the power in receiving. Communion is a remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross, but it is also to do with his presence that is available for us as we take the bread and we take the wine or the juice, as we will be doing soon. The resurrection is the amen to the cross, isn't it? It's that triumphant yes to all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. As we take the bread and wine, we share the power of what Jesus has done on that cross and receive his resurrection life. See, the old covenant was a covenant of presence, of God's presence, as, was the new, as is the New Testament. It's a covenant of presence, of God's presence. And it wasn't a mistake that Jesus used the Passover celebration, the meal of the unleavened bread, to instigate communion. The Passover was celebrating the deliverance of the people from slavery into covenant relationship. Both this old covenant and the new were agreements that were signed. So a legal, as Amanda will know, a legal covenant is basically ratified or um, binding by a signature. But the covenants of were in both the old and the new, were binding by the blood. In Exodus 24, verses 7 and 8, it says, Then he took the, this is to do with the old covenant, then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The covenant agreement in the old required the people to follow the laws of the Lord, to obey his commands. They found that they, however, were unable to do so. The new covenant, however, was different because by receiving, we have the power to be able to obey. When we take the bread and the wine, we receive his presence, the Holy Spirit's power to live in us and through us. It's not just a once and for all receiving that we've done as we do when we give our life to Jesus, but it's an everyday thing that we're doing. We obviously use the time of communion to confess our sins. And you know, when I was being prayed for by Mike, I became aware of something that I needed to say sorry about. And there are things, often opportunities like that within communion where we, 
where we're together, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and we need to be able to become aware of that. So there is that aspect that we need to, we need to recognize. Let's just continue reading the account of the Last Supper. Luke 11, 21 to 30. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel." I mean, in 1 Corinthians 11, we have the first and earliest accounts of communion being taken in the early church. Um, and communion was taken as part of a meal. Uh, and within Jesus' account, we've read, just like, just like Jesus' account we've just read. Uh, and actually, in 1 Corinthians 11, the similar things were raised. So in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, the people were, weren't recognizing one another. They were going ahead and eating before other people. Um, and I just put the, the next point, is the power in surrendering. Because with the disciples, you realize, recognize, they, even after everything Jesus had done, they were still thinking about who was going to be the greatest. Uh, you know, their concerns were not on the fact that perhaps Jesus is going to die. <laughs> Um, you, you, you wonder how that sort of mindset could, could come into their lives. They, they were very fixated on, on their, their position. And in 1 Corinthians 11, it's a little bit like that as well. The whole culture, uh, in Ro the Roman Greek culture, was very much status-driven. So you, you basically had your... You were expected to, to, to dress in a certain way. You expected to, to act in a certain way, and if you acted or you dressed out of, out of that way, then you were asked, you know, it wasn't accepted, basically. And in the meal, you, were, you had order of which people took communion or took the, the supper and took the food. So this, this, there was a very, very, very big um, issue around the whole thing of status. Jesus turns everything on its head, doesn't he? He, he takes what the culture says and he, he flips it over and he says, whoever wants to be great must become the child, must become like a child, must become the slave, must become the one that serves. And we, we hear in, 
in the, in the account that Jesus had in, in John 13, which again is part of this discourse that Jesus gave in the upper room, where he actually washed the disciples' feet. I mean, it was the lowest position that anyone could have. And Jesus took that position. He put a towel around his waist. He came up to Peter. Peter didn't like it. Said, no, don't do that. Jesus said, well, if you don't do it, you've got nothing to do with me. Then he said, well, wash everything. And you tell him, that's not the point. You've just got dirty feet. I'm only going to wash your dirty feet. But the whole thing was that Jesus was turning everything upside down. In Galatians 3, verse 28 Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But what he's looking for from us is that we surrender all our desire for position, all our desire for comfort, all our desires that, that perhaps want to put us above other people or even put us before God. He wants us to be in that place where we are recognizing that he is the center of everything. And if Jesus gave us an example to follow, we need to follow it. Mark 10 verses 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many When we take the bread and wine, we remember that Jesus gave up everything for us to bring us to himself. He paid for our sin. But we have a responsibility every day to lay down our lives before him. Uh, We sang that song, didn't we? Um, Lord, you have my heart and I will follow you. Um, And it was a song of surrender And we need to continually do that. As we take the bread, we receive it. We receive the power, but we need to surrender if we're to know the power of God working through our lives. Luke 9 verse 21 says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Finally, the power in his body. Do you know we're we're powerful together? We're powerful together in Jesus. I mentioned earlier, we all reflect something different of the beauty of Jesus. We all have different gifts, different abilities. But together, God has brought us to a place where he wants us. We are his body. When we go out into the world, it's remarkable, I know, but it is the truth. We are the body of Christ out into this world. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. One of these verses I've, I've tried to memorize, but I'm not going to try now because I know I'll, I won't do it. A bit like when David tried to got me up to, to because I said I could, I could repeat the Psalm 23 and then completely messed it up. But Isaiah, I'm sorry, 
Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23 says this. This is mind-blowing. Listen to this. If, you've got, if you want to look in your Bible, you can. But it's Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. I'll read it out. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are the bride of Christ. We are his one that he loves and he adores. We have a very sort of individualistic approach, don't we, to our lives. Our society is very individual. Jewish society wasn't like that. That's why when they had communion, they had it as a meal. They didn't have it as we do. It was a meal. And when, when you're in a meal, you, you, you can see people, can't you? You can see people across the table. And as they were breaking bread and they were remembering Jesus, they were seeing one another. And they were recognizing one another. And they were able to talk to, into each other's lives. There was that intimacy, connection that was there. And so often we sort of miss that because we've brought, been brought up in a society where it's, uh, it's, you know, we're, it's us. It's what I can achieve. It's what I can do. Uh, rather than looking to others. And Hebrews 12 there's a fantastic, um, Hebrews 12 is fantastic anyway. <laughs> but Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We are the joy that was set before him. I don't know whether you realize that, but we are the joy. Jesus went to the cross, he died for us. And he looked at us, and we are the joy that was set before him. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, it says that whenever you eat and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And as we come now, in the next few minutes, just to take the bread and take the juice, the wine, we are together proclaiming the Lord's death. It's an evangelistic opportunity. <laughs> We're proclaiming the Lord's death. We're saying it to one another. We, if the world can see us, we'll say it to the world. We're saying it to principalities and to powers. We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, until he comes again. He's coming again. He's coming for us. And in Colossians 2, verse 15, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Everything that stands against the purposes of God, through the cross, he's made a public spectacle of the enemy. And I just want to flip back and go back to where we started, looking at our, the possibilities of what God can do in our lives and individually. He loves us. You know, when Wendy came and started sharing a word, a voice breaking, saying, Jesus loves us. And we can all sort of echo that. We have that sense in the spirit. Jesus really, really, really loves us. 
And he wants us to keep our vision higher and higher, looking at what is possible, looking at the things that he wants to do through us and in us. The bar has been raised. Jesus raised it, not me. (laughs) He raised it. And he's asking us, will we surrender? Will we receive from him? Will we together as a church corporately look to him and say, yes, yes, Lord, we will do all that you ask us to do. We will do everything you have put on our hearts. We will walk and we will follow you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your love for us. We thank you for your passion that took you to the cross. And Lord, we long for more of you. We desire you above every other. You are known by your scars. And we are their beautiful scars. And we come, we bow down. As we take this bread and take this wine. We receive from you this morning. We surrender. We receive your presence. We surrender our lives. And corporately we stand together. We look at one another. We recognize the gifts. And we recognize the responsibility that we can have together to reach for the more. The more that is available for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.